Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. I'm Rob Fields, Senior Vice President and CMO for Population Health at Mount Sinai. And this is the first in a series of podcasts that we're doing related to the COVID-19 crisis. And it features one of our independent physicians, Dr. Martin Malakowski, who's done an amazing job of transforming his practice into one that's really centered around telemedicine and providing a high level of service to his patients. This is also a bit of a qualifier here in terms of the sound quality uh, because of the social distancing rules. Uh, we recorded this uh, via telephone, via Zoom meeting, actually. Um, so I apologize if the sound quality is not as great as we would like, but appreciate you tuning in. And if you have ideas or questions for podcasts related to COVID or otherwise, please email me at robert.fields at mountsinai.org. But otherwise, appreciate you listening in and we'll get started. Thank you for listening to the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. And I'm here uh, with my colleague, Jade. Uh, Jade, do you mind introducing yourself? Hi, I'm Jade Bettine. Uh, I work on the provider communications team at Mount Sinai Health Partners. So Jade and I uh, have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Martin Malakowski, who's uh, an internist, um, MD and MPH, uh, which is an interesting background to have in a time of a pandemic, uh, but uh, also uh, is uh, lead in a uh, practice, internal medicine, pediatrics practice in New York City. And I appreciate your time, Dr. Malakowski, for thanks for joining us. My pleasure. My heart goes to all the struggling providers who share the same anxiety as I have about everything what's going on. So I yeah. hope this will be helpful for everyone. I, I hope so too. And I, I, as we discussed, I think the goal here is with all the concentration appropriately, you know, on the emergent issues in the hospital, a little less is known or talked about like, the effect on the community and its community physicians and community patients. So um, I'm, I'm excited to share that you're able to share your experience with others. So thank you for doing that. My pleasure. If, you, if we can start, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your practice and, and, sort of what, what drives you to do the work you do, but even outside of COVID for a minute. Sure. So uh, I'm a uh, primary care physician and internist. Uh, I'm 51 years old and I have uh, done internal medicine for over 25 years in various settings, rural settings. Um, I worked in the Bronx. I worked uh, in the nursing homes and eventually somehow uh, I decided to start a small practice in Manhattan, which slowly grew over time uh, to a small multi-specialty practice. Uh, I enjoy primary care. I enjoy what I do. Um, we have a really nice group of physicians who uh, are pulling together to try to make this work even through the COVID crisis. Uh, we do we have six pediatricians. Uh, we have two primary care doctors, one part-time cardiologist, one part-time gastroenterologist. Um, we have a psychologist and lactation consultant and a woman's health provider. Um, I in, I've done a little bit of a um, mission work. I'm involved in a project in Madagascar where we treat children for child malnutrition so I actually am a little bit of a, um, I have a little bit of an experience uh, with uh, struggling healthcare systems and, uh, uh, and providing care in less than optimal settings, yeah. which 
I find myself right now in New York. It's amazing how those uh, skills come into play. Uh, I'm sure you you've really created a pretty special practice um, in New York with in, in in a very holistic setting. And can you talk a little bit about you know maybe from the early parts of the COVID crisis how you started to see it see it affect your practice and then how you started to change your operations maybe in the beginning of this crisis how, how did you start to change sure i'm not sure if i will recall all the details but uh you know we as everyone else we watch the news very carefully and see how the situation is changing and whatever we thought of we could prepare and address up front uh, we could you know um so it's it started with the first cases in the U.S., then Seattle, then Westchester, and as it was moving toward us, uh, you know, we we've been preparing. Um, we started to order PPEs uh, very early on. We actually uh, ordered some uh, VCM tubes because we thought we thought that this virus may need to be. Uh, detected. Uh, we try to speak with physicians how they feel, what they uh, think is uh, important. There was a lot of attention to develop posters and signages uh, as to how we're going to treat, whether we'll require people to wear a mask, who should wear it, how do we change the schedule, how do we deal with the newborns and small babies that need the care, and how, when do we start seeing the sick children? And it was, you know, as for everyone else, it was evolving and changing uh, at many levels day by day. Did you, did your practice actively start canceling appointments? Or I, I know in, in past conversations you mentioned and the, the volumes are certainly different as I think most of the docs are seeing their volumes go down. And some of that was planned, you know, to avoid getting folks exposed and then I'm sure a lot of it, though, is also fear from our, you know, our own patients. And uh, um, can you talk about how that played out, how, how, how much it was planned, and how much you've seen other folks being sure. hesitant to come in? So I think it happened at both levels. Uh, one is that we had to separate. Uh, we, we had to decide where to see. First, we were deciding where to see the sick patients. Uh, and so we separated our offices and time so the well exams and we needed to create a new appointment times for people with non-respiratory problems and being sick and people with some respiratory problems we started to create triage questions online on our pre-scheduling system um, and eventually uh, so we tried to sort this out uh to separate the well from sick from our side at the same time. I think through the news and through the uh, governor-driven uh, uh, changes, um, people started to stay at home. You know, they uh, spontaneously reduced coming to our office. So we have not really needed to cancel anyone. We stayed open. Uh, the only eventual switch we did that all we realized that the it's very hard to distinguish uh, someone who has no symptoms and someone who may have COVID versus someone who for sure doesn't have it as people were coming in saying that they are coming for 
annual checkups and then they can't, right. oh, by the way, I also have a little cold or I have this, right. so test me for COVID. And we realized that uh, the screening simply doesn't work. So we had to figure out a way how to screen people. And of course, telemedicine started to come to the front. And so we switched all uh, patients who have any concerns about COVID to telemedicine and anyone else who is sick and mm -hmm. screen them. And then we, we see them at the office as needed. I saw on your website that you're asking that that, that very thing that you now you're saying, if you're sick, we, we start with a televisit to then it sounds like sort of triage appropriately. Is that, is that about right? Yes. And so we, we switched to this triage, which does work and help. Uh, we still occasionally see, that someone comes in uh, maybe for a well visit, but may have yeah. something that we cannot detect. Um, and so we are trying to slowly adjust to the point that we really, in New York City, you can't tell if someone is well or sick and may right. have COVID or is asymptomatic. So we are preparing for the new era of treating everyone, uh, you know, in face mask, with face masks, new rules, um, so this is all evolving. Yeah. When I imagine I mean, you guys were uh, early adopters and it sounds like in the spirit of how you guys normally do things, you're kind of thinking ahead um, and started with the telemedicine pieces pretty early. But I imagine that wasn't easy on the patient side. How did you let your patients know that this was like a, a new service or were you already doing some of it before? No, we have not been doing uh, telemedicine before. Uh, we we had uh, we had screened many telemedicine services in the in the recent past, but mm -hmm. find a system that would work well with our electronic scheduling, online scheduling, consents, pre-registration, insurance verification, and eventually we found a solution uh, uh, that may. Uh, that we thought will work and we assembled a small IT team that pulled it all together within 10 days. Uh, wow. we, we went live with um, pediatrics first because there was okay. more of a need and uh, tested it for about a week and, if it, and made few adjustments. It did work. And so then we added adult uh, services. In meanwhile, we used FaceTime, uh, iPhones, um, most, yeah. um, and occasionally I think Skype, um, to, mm -hmm. till we were alive. Yeah. To, um, how did you get patients to, cause if they weren't using it before, was it patients would call in and you would convert them to a video visit? Yeah, and so we did, uh, we, yes, we, we did both ways. So when people called, we had an electronic scheduler. We trained all the staff, how the appointments are made, what instructions to provide. And uh, then we, 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 since we had it integrated with our electronic scheduler and our patients are actually trained and know how to make online appointments themselves. Mm -hmm. So it helped us that we were able to just send a huge email blast uh, oh, nice. Okay. With, with instructions and people really responded well. And uh, I think that was a very, very big help to us that uh, 
people A, knew how to make appointments uh, already, and B, uh, that the system was pretty much uh, the same except a few extra steps for the telemedicine. Right. Yeah, that, that's, that's definitely helpful. Um, JJ, you want to chime in here? Do you have um, immediate questions? Yeah. Uh, I was wondering how this transition um, has changed your workflow and your practice, like with the other staff there, with your patients, what sort of changes, um, improvements, uh, challenges have you seen there? Sure. I think it, it has changed us in a, in a major ways, and it will be changing us in a major ways we feel for months to years to come. Um, uh, so we had to adjust just about just above uh, any level from the way we dress, the way our staff uh, is approaching patients to reducing um, our staff, changing the doctor's schedule. Uh, so I guess I'll give you some concrete examples. Um, uh, so, you know, we had to reduce our staff by about 50% and our wow. doctors decided to um, be at the office one at a time. It means instead of having two pediatricians at the office at one time, they decided they don't want to have too much of a flow and um, interactions, I, I guess, go with the social distancing a little bit from each other. Uh, and so, plus the volume of patients or demand plummeted down. So we decided to just be one provider, our office at one time with one medical staff. Uh, that means that our staff's work hours went down to about 25% of what they are wow. using. Our doctors who were full-time suddenly were working one day a week instead of uh, five days a week. They decided to ask hospitalists to round on the newborns instead of them going to the hospitals to reduce mutual exposure so they could continue to provide our patient care and I guess be less at a chance of being exposed to COVID for the people that or the newborns they see at the offices are small children. Uh, so they had to inform the newborn nurseries. Then we, you know, then we uh, had to switch to telemedicine for many days. Uh, so our office hours have been cut. We had to cut our support staff, our uh, hours, our billing staff. We had to move out to a cloud out of our office and they are all working from home. So we had to readjust their work hours. We had to cut their work hours. Uh, so we were we are cutting in some ways and adjusting the hours where we can to contain some of the financial consequences that are coming. At the same time, we try to move forward and see as many patients as we can and find some kind of a balance and uh, strategy to provide care in this new era. We feel that telemedicine... Uh, with the high fears of patients going out and being exposed, the telemedicine will probably play a much bigger role in many medical services that can be provided remotely. 
and uh, we're trying to figure out how we're going to continue to provide services in our offices with the fact that there is going to be probably for months to come a potentially highly contagious infectious microorganism coming to our office without us knowing it or having a way to predict it. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough challenge for sure. I I mean, and I know based on other comments in in our town halls and and things that while it sounds like you've been ahead of the game and successful in engaging a lot of your patients, certainly the volumes are still not what they were. Is is that right? And and, uh, so with the telemedicine, we went up um, maybe okay. 25%, but we are maybe running at 50% or less than 50% of our uh, general uh, appointments or visits or services or even less. But it has picked up since we marketed a telemedicine and people realize they can get a lot of services through telemedicine. It has really boosted our volumes. Um, and I think the, the weather and the, the needs of patients have not stopped. So people right. are going to slowly venture out and try to overcome their fears of coming to the office. Yeah. You know, and imagine there's ongoing learning about telemedicine too, as you said. So it's, it seems like that will hopefully naturally grow over time. Has it been difficult for you as a physician to get used to visiting patients this way? Like, obviously, you can't do a physical examination in the same way you normally would, uh, that sort of stuff. I think the learning curve is very, you you know, you get, luckily with the video, you get a very good sense if someone appears well or appeals ill. And uh, if you can't really determine what's the issue, the, the good news is that we have a our offices are open, so occasionally we say, well, you know, this I can't do this through telemedicine. Why don't I see you next day or the following day, and we'll try to assess what's the best way to help you. Challenge with telemedicine is that, of course, to do it right, you need to, you know, you need to have several steps. You need to have the uh, appointment schedule so people know when they will have their appointment set up. You need to verify their insurance. You need to make sure that you could get paid for the services. Then they need to, we have a telemedicine consent that needed to come into play. And so we try to streamline it to be as automated and as electronic as we can. And of course, you know, it's a learning curve on the part of the patients. How do I, you know, how do I pre-register? How do I sign the consent? When do, you know, when can I start clicking at the video link, how to flip the camera, why my mic is not working, you know, uh, the. And what's their reaction then to this so far? Do they seem to like the telemedicine? Are they eager to get back in the office? Uh, Very, I think very positive for those who need it, because of course, everyone's scared to Uh, get out of the office and so uh, get out of their homes. And so I would say both the providers and the patients uh, connected well online uh, with the fact that I think they both realize the limitations of telemedicine in some way, but we, we have managed quite complex 
COVID or non-COVID medical situations through telemedicine, and it was pretty a positive experience for for both sides. And uh, you know, uh, we had patients who, thanks to the marketing email, tell us I was about to go to emergency room. I was about to go to urgent mm-hmm. care. I didn't know what to do, but this really helped me to bridge. And of course, we have patients contacting us from New Jersey, from Long Island, from Florida, wherever they escaped to, uh, we're trying to deal with this. Some people need help and there's no one else and they have no place to go, just prevails and you try to help. Yeah. I've heard a couple of docs say that they actually have had experiences they thought were actually better over telemedicine than in person. And specifically as it relates to family members, you know, being there or having that sort of context that you wouldn't get in the office. Have you, have you guys had any experience like that? Yes. And so the new new experience is that you somehow uh, learn and treat the whole, uh, you know, the whole family once one is on the video. And by the way, you know, my husband has this and our two kids have this. And so you you treat a social con- contest, uh, and uh, so you this is a new way uh, because you are in someone's family setting and you learn about their you know the way they live. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the daughter plays next to the video. The wife comes to the chat and asks a question. You learn also how they live. So you know you have mm-hmm. the situation where. You learn that the you know the patients live with their elderly parents, and the elderly mm-hmm. has an Alzheimer, but he has a doctor who hasn't responded to him, and he doesn't know what to do. And you are kind of uh, do a little bit of a social work and uh, trying to yeah. help people that otherwise would not be able to don't know what to do. Right. Yeah, that that's a really powerful, uh, you know, kind of holistic treatment, really. Yeah, my sense, if I had to tell you my gut feeling is that if there was more of a uh, monitoring systems, people could have, uh, you know, besides measuring pulse through iWatch and, you know, they, uh, thermometers and blood pressure monitors and everything else and having the history and vital signs in a full set, that would really uh, help a lot with some of these uh, triages and situations. So yeah buy their own pulse ox machines and monitor you right. know, their conditions. Uh, so I think they will, you will move towards a way that people will be self-reliant on their health and contact, you know, with these questions when they need us uh, remotely. I know that some of your colleagues and we've heard from folks in the network, the, the financial challenges and, you know, we know that when we've surveyed that about 40% of our independent docs are closed, just completely closed for some period of time. And our fear, of course, is that will happen long-term. Do, do you have a sense of, you know, my, my feeling is that is it, and I think you alluded to this, is that, you know, we don't know what our primary care system across the country is going to look like at the end of this, but it's, it, they're hurting pretty badly. I mean, do you have a, a sense of what this is going to do to our primary care network across the country, not just here in New York, but I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be pretty tough sledding. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. I haven't thought about uh, effect on the entire country, 
but as I'm in New York City, so I see that um, the effects will be profound since, you know, we are locked in certain, um, you know, very, very difficult leases arrangements uh, and many doctors are, uh, the expenses of uh, providing primary care in Manhattan are, have been already challenging to start with even COVID uh, and many practices were basically running at a full steam and still were, you know, having hard time to break even on the, uh, with the expenses. I, I, I really sense that uh, truly many practices won't uh, make it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how, how uh, without some adjustments that we will, you will have to provide the services as before with with more protection for the uh, for the staff as well as the patients and and adjust the flows and provide tel- and put in telemedicine to perhaps compensate for 20 i don't know 20 30% of your revenue uh, maybe the only way to survive you know i already have physicians who are planning to leave the city because they are starting to sense that this will this will have a long lasting effect, but where to go? Where is the best place to practice? Where the COVID won't have as much effects? I'm not sure. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Malikowski, and um, really appreciate what you're doing. And you know, obviously, you're, you've shown amazing leadership. I appreciate your contributions in the town hall to your other doctors in the network. Appreciate that very much. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Good luck. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Take care.